Spirit's in control. The evidence of that in our lives, I believe, is supernatural. And I want, we're going to talk about that for the next several weeks, what that looks like. And I've been thinking and praying and reading a lot about the Holy Spirit and about the supernatural uh, aspects of, of God. And, uh, and I admit that as a, a young believer, you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal home, a spirit-filled home. I, I heard my parents speak in tongues, my grandparents. Um, and so I, you know, as far as the, the gifts of the Spirit were active in the church that I was a part of, and uh, it's easy to have preconceived ideas when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Like I said, I was born and raised, and I thank the Lord for my upbringing. But what can happen for me, and for maybe for many of you, is as you look at your life, or at least areas of your life, uh, the Holy Spirit can become common. The activity of the Holy Spirit or the supernatural nature of God can be overlooked or missed or just non-existent. And what's crazy is that not not only as individuals can that happen, it can happen where where there's no Holy Spirit activity in our lives or very little, that can happen to a church as well. And I don't want my life, and I've been thinking about this, to be explainable without the Holy Spirit, without His help. Because I can do a certain amount of things on my own. And many of you can do the same thing. Uh, that you are you're very talented, very gifted individuals. And we can accomplish a certain amount in our own strength, right? But there's something that happens when we engage with the Holy Spirit. The supernatural happens. And something beyond our ability. And I want people to look at my life and say, you know, uh, there's something that God is doing through Ben Vey. It's not Ben Vey. That has to be God. And I want that, not only for myself, I want it for you and for us as a church. And, uh, and I want us to be praying and asking the Lord for that. The question has been asked recently uh, in a book that I read called Forgotten God, and I've mentioned that couple times this year. The question was asked, has the Holy Spirit or the supernatural activity of God been tragically neglected? And I would say that I think that in many cases it has. I'm not saying that we would deny the existence of the Holy Spirit or that He could move, but when we look at our lives and we say, have we experienced His power, His presence, or His action in our lives, We have to question, in the last year, has that happened? In the last month, in the last week, has the Holy Spirit been active? Would we want the Holy Spirit to move supernaturally in our lives? And what would that look like? Is it even possible for the Holy Spirit to move in our lives? And do we want that? We said at the beginning of the year that for us at the the Gateway Church, we want to measure our success not just by numbers, by people coming. And, but we believe that God is going to add to our church, and He is adding uh, this year, and it's been exciting to see what God is doing. But our success is ultimately comes down to our connection with the Lord, connecting with God, connecting with our supernatural God. 
And like I mentioned earlier, our evaluations, there was a deep desire among our people saying, we want and desire more of God. Once again, God, rain down on us. Rekindle the fire that once burned in our hearts. And we heard that over and over. Almost every home that I went to, there was something about a move of God. But I would ask, why do we lack that? Why is it that today, if we look at the church as a whole, why is it that the Holy Spirit is maybe as not active as He could be or desires to be? And there's lots of reasons. It's certainly the familiar. We become familiar. It become comfortable with the way things are. For many of us, it's fear, saying, okay, I don't know what that would look like to release control or to, to listen to God or to do something uh, outside of the norm. Or it might be our backgrounds, our preconceived ideas. It's funny, on uh, Wednesday night, we started Connect 101, and uh, it's not too late if you haven't been a part of Connect 101 to join us. But around our table, we had seven of us, I think. There was uh, a Baptist background, non-denominational background, Methodist. Was that the three, or was there four? A Reformed. So four out of seven different backgrounds, preconceived ideas that are brought to the table when we look at core beliefs. And so that may cause a lack of the Holy Spirit, just you know, what we believe or what we understand. And then... The real fact is, we need to grapple with this, each of us. Do we even want more? And then how would we experience that? And today, and through this series, I don't want you just to take my word for it. (laughs) I want you to dig into Scripture yourself, to look for a supernatural God in Scripture. And my prayer is that we would stir up a hunger, a curiosity for some, to examine the truth of God's Word and to say, God, bless us with your supernatural power to be at work in our midst. And that's my prayer. So today we're going to look at the activity of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. And I want to just say this, that good theology, good, uh, good uh, exegesis, looking at Scripture and pulling out truth is important. That leads to godly living. On the flip side, there's bad theology. We can pick and choose uh, different Scriptures, and it will end up pointing us in the wrong direction. And that's not what we want. We want to, to be good uh, theologians and to look at what God has for us. And I want us, we all live in uh, the American culture. No one's from out of the country, are they? Uh, Anyone here live in a different country at any point in their life? Oh, yes, of course, our our Bhutanese family, yes. But I want you, for, for us and even for these guys, see, we read the Bible. within a culture, an American culture. But I want us to look at Scripture from outside of our contemporary culture. And I believe as we do that, we would be convinced that as you read Scripture, that the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential to a believer's existence. It's as important as the air that we breathe. Just take a breath in. Now let it out. Now it's as important as that is for you to live and to stay conscious this morning. 
if you read Scripture through outside of the context of an American culture, that's how important the Holy Spirit and His activity is in our lives. See, as we, if we would read Scripture from that context outside of our American culture, which you know, is comfortable and uh, there's you know, wealth and prosperity, and uh, even in hard, your, the hardest circumstance maybe even that would be represented here, we still live in America. We're in West Michigan, and, uh, and, and we're, we're going to make it. But if we didn't, if you would see that the Holy Spirit, you would see the Holy Spirit leading people to do unexplainable things, things that did not make sense, selling all their property to give it to one another in the early church. I was thinking about it, even the day of Pentecost, you read Acts, and Jesus said, wait on the Holy Spirit. Well, the disciples and about 40 others, they waited in the upper room for days for the Holy Spirit to come. I'm thinking, don't they have to work? But they were so connected to the Lord, saying, I will give up everything. What about the Old Testament, pouring water on an altar before you're calling down fire from heaven? I mean, that's not a human idea. That's the Holy Spirit at work. Or getting as many oil or jars and to fill those with oil and keep on pouring. I mean, God led people to do incredible things. The parting of the Red Sea, building of the ark. The Holy Spirit was active. And those things were amazing. Now, would we agree that there's a gap between the Holy Spirit's activity in the Bible and how most believers and even most churches operate today? There's a gap. And I want to address that. And I want that to be different here. I was just thinking about it this week, that if you were Satan, if, you, if we were Satan, if we could get the church to ignore the Holy Spirit, the supernatural, we would probably have what most American churches look like today. But that's not always the case. It's not even the case today in the world. There are places in Africa, when we looked at a couple weeks ago at the African church and um, uh, our friends Bob and Rhonda Thomas were here and sharing how the multiplication of the church was incredible. And the tabernacle project that we were able to support last year, um, just it was a powerful move of God. We see bits and pieces of that in South Africa and certainly in Asia, in China. And uh, this, next, uh, this next month, at the end of the month, we've got some missionaries from China that are going to be with us. They want us to say Northern Asia in our printing because they're, they're serving in a difficult part of the world. World, but there is an explosion of God moving. And oftentimes that happens when there's a desperation or a humility, and they're not distracted by wealth and comfort. And the fact is, is that many of us can get distracted by those things. When believers live, I said it at the beginning, in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. I believe that to the bottom of my core. And so we want to look at Scripture and get a, a, a history, a, a short history this morning of what that looks like uh, from God's Word. And so I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles uh, to the very first page of the Bible. You don't have to go far to see uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit at work in Scripture. All right, so turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. And we'll start reading in verse 1. And you might know this. Uh, you could probably quote it. Most of us probably can. But it says in Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And in verse 2, 
we see the Holy Spirit moving. Listen to what it says. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, everyone say the Spirit of God, was hovering over the waters. Now that word spirit is ruach in uh, Hebrew. And uh, I studied this in Hebrew. And in the Greek, in the New Testament, the word for spirit is pneuma. And both are translated as spirit or wind or breath. And as we read through the Old Testament, we will often see that translation that the, the breath of God or the spirit of God or there was a wind of the spirit. There was all kinds of activity of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament hovering over the face of the earth. Uh, in the Garden of Eden, he, uh, it was the Holy Spirit that judged Adam and Eve and was part of um, them uh, you know, being ejected out of the Garden, Garden of Eden. The Holy Spirit dealt with the people of Israel. It's interesting as you study, uh, there is not uh, the Holy Spirit or the wind or the breath of God is not described in Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob's life, but we understand that the Holy Spirit was working in that time through them. But when it comes to Joseph and Moses and the plagues and the tabernacle and Joshua, it's amazing. And we see verses like Deuteronomy chapter 34 uh, uh, verse 9 that says this. It says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the Holy Spirit and of wisdom because Moses had put his hands on him. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, it was about wisdom and understanding and knowledge being imparted to someone for a specific time. The Holy Spirit would come upon someone for a moment. And we certainly see this in, uh, in the prophets, uh, you know, Joel and Micah and Isaiah and Jeremiah. It also happened often for the priests or for kings. We see it in Samuel and in Saul's life and in David's life. When they were anointed with oil, that was a symbol of God's Spirit being poured out on them. And for the ladies that are here, don't worry. In uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, turn there quick with me. Uh, we see that even Deborah, one of the uh, 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 judges, yep, she was filled with the Holy Spirit as well. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men, in that word there, can be men or women, they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And over and over throughout the Old Testament, we see the activity of the Holy Spirit. I love it. But the Holy Spirit, the personality of the Holy Spirit, is not completely revealed until the New Testament. We turn into the New Testament, and we see the Holy Spirit evident in Jesus' life. And what's incredible is that Jesus, he was fully man, fully God. He depended desperately on the power of the Holy Spirit in fact, he said he didn't do anything without the Spirit's leading, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is described as Holy Spirit and fire. We see the Holy Spirit as a dove. And Jesus, his, his ministry was led by a supernatural power. And that was translated into the early church. And what's interesting about that is you study the Holy Spirit. And I was uh, talking about this with a professor this week. Um, the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, for the New Testament church, was given 
so they could testify that Jesus is who he said he was. That was the primary, uh, one of the primary purposes in the early church. If you study the Holy Spirit in Scripture, we see the Holy Spirit as a person. We see him as God. He's described as eternal and holy, that he's interceding for us. The Holy Spirit has emotions and desires. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He helps us speak. He helps us to testify, as we see in the New Testament. He's considered a counselor. There's power to set us free. The Holy Spirit is who convicts us, brings life, and brings freedom. There's so much we could talk about this morning, but I really appreciated uh, one theologian. Uh, his name is Tim Enlow. He's actually been here. Some of you remember when he was here. He concentrates, his whole ministry is on the gifts and the works of the Holy Spirit. He's got a short little book, and he kind of distilled uh, Scripture, and he said, what is the activity of the Holy Spirit? And I want us to go through and to look at what, what Tim Enlow describes as five activities of the Holy Spirit. And as we look at these, I want you not only to say, okay, well, that's neat. This is the activity of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. This is still the activity of the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to take a good look in the mirror and say, okay, when we look at these, is there activity in these areas in my life? And if there's not, we want to address that and ask the Lord why. So the first place I want to look is that the activity of the Holy Spirit according to Tim Enlo, and according to Scripture, is that there is a convicting work. In John chapter 16, verse 7, it says this. It says, However, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say that it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. He's talking to his disciples saying, Hey, i got to go. i got to leave because if I do not go away, the comforter counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strength, standby, will not come to you into close fellowship with you. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit, of course. But he says, but if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. Verse 8 says, and when he comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin and righteousness uprightness of heart and right standing with God and about judgment. There is a convicting nature about the Holy Spirit. Can you remember the first time, for those of us that have kids, the first time your kids understood what that was about and they did something wrong? What do they do? They go hide. I can remember Logan hiding underneath his, uh, under, fully dressed underneath his blanket after he had done something wrong a few years back. I got home and he's just dripping sweat. And he was feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And of course, I was able to love him, say, hey, there's nothing that I, you can do <laughs> that would make me love you less. And uh, of course, our Heavenly Father would do the same thing. But this morning, is there a convicting nature in your life, or have you become numb to the things of this world? This is so huge. It is so easy in our culture to get caught up 
to become calloused, to become soft to, the, to God's word, to his standard for our lives. And if you don't believe that, visit one of our schools. Visit any employer uh, across the nation. Go to any, uh, any restaurant uh, at night. You see sin. It's prevalent. It's everywhere. And we don't have to engage in that. So there's a convicting nature of the Holy Spirit. The second thing that Tim Enlo says is that there's a regenerating um, uh, activity of the Holy Spirit, a renewal a salvation that comes through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is active in salvation. I want you to turn with me to Titus chapter 3, and let's look at verses 4 and 5. It says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior to man as man appeared, He saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that, he has, that we have done, but because of His own pity and mercy. By the cleansing, the bath of a new birth, a regeneration and renewing of what? The Holy Spirit. There is a regenerating, a salvation. The Holy Spirit is active in salvation. And we need to remember that. And we need to be sharing that and asking God to help use us in those moments in other people's lives around us that are far away from God. And I would just say, if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, there's nothing that the Holy Spirit or nothing that we want more than for you to connect with God in that way, a renewal, a salvation. So there's a convicting aspect, a regeneration. But I love this next one. There's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit as well. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, His sanctuary, and that God's Spirit has His permanent dwelling in you? His Spirit is dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church, and also individually. So not only individually are we the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit indwells in us, lives inside of us, but as a corporately as well. There's a sense that the activity of the Holy Spirit is among us, is in us. And what that causes for all of us to do is the fourth thing, is that there is a maturing that comes a lifelong maturing. If you look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it describes the fruit of the Spirit. Singular fruit, that this is what's active. The Holy Spirit says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work of His presence within accomplishes is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and, and even temper forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint, continence. Against such things there is no law that can, be, can bring a charge. Now listen, if you read that list and look at that list and say, well, I, I, I might be a one or two of those things, but I struggle in some of those areas. I would encourage you to press in and ask the Holy Spirit that dwells within us 
to help us to mature. And then the last thing is the fifth thing is an empowering, an empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. He empowers us. Acts 2, verse 16 says, but instead this is being of being uh, the beginning of what was spoken through the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days. God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, telling forth of the divine counsels of your young men shall see visions, divinely granted appearances, and your old men shall dream divinely suggested dreams. And it shall be that whoever shall call on the name of the Lord invoking, adoring, and worshiping the Lord Christ, shall be saved. There is something about the Holy Spirit, when we call upon His name, prophecy, visions, an empowerment to do His work, something happens that mobilizes us, that helps us in our day-to-day. And there's not one of us that can live effectively without the power of the Holy Spirit. If we surrender to the Holy Spirit, Christ will be magnified, John 16, 14 says. And so there's a supernatural activity that God desires in our lives, a convicting nature, regenerating, an indwelling, a maturing, an empowerment. And let me just say that if it's not alive and well in you today, it's possible. I would ask you to ask the question, how does it affect your world? Is there a curiosity about the Holy Spirit? Do you believe what God's Word says? I would encourage you to study it for yourself. There's an activity of the Holy Spirit in the world, but is it in your life? Does it lead you to purity, to serving, to giving, to your devotion? Is there something missing as you address your life? Is there a dullness about your walk with the Lord? I would say that what's missing is not something, it's someone being active in your life, the Holy Spirit. The reality is, is without the Holy Spirit, our results as individuals will be human-sized. There's a measure that churches and individuals can be successful to a certain level just by their own strength. And I'll tell you, I can get caught up in that. You know, I, I've got some gifts and abilities, and, uh, and I can do some things. And, uh, and at times, honestly, I can do things without the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's scary. That's scary. But when we choose to live by the Spirit, The results go beyond what any of us can do individually or even collectively. It's supernatural. One of the goals of uh, my life, and I've listed goals, and I've talked about different ones, about running a marathon or just different things. Um, This year, uh, I've uh, determined to take another step towards another goal. I've got the goal a goal to run a, uh, or to participate in an Ironman competition, and uh, which is, I know some of you are thinking, you're crazy, Pastor, but it's, it's a desire, and, and so I'm going to do a, a train for a half 
Ironman this year, and then we'll see how that goes and see uh, if I, I'm still alive. Um, <laughs> but another one of my goals, and, and I'm going to share this, and, uh, you know, and it's personal, and some of you are going to say, well, that's ridiculous, but it's something, you know, it's not an idea from the devil, and it's certainly not my own idea because I'm the most selfish person in the world, okay? Uh, that's the truth. But one of my goals is to give away a million dollars in one year's time at some point in my life. And I think that'd be a neat thing to do. Think about it. But as I was assessing how I'm, how I'm doing getting to that point in my life and saying, okay, God, how am I doing with giving? Uh, you guys get giving receipts from the church and different places that you give and things like that. And I was looking this year and kind of preparing to, to give my stuff to Tony for taxes. Um, and I, as I was looking, this past year, for us, our family, was the largest giving year in our lives. We were able to give away uh, 34% of my income. Pretty cool. Not, I mean, it's just a fraction of a million dollars, but uh, we're kind of making some strides in that way. But I'll tell you, we are only able to do that because of the supernatural blessing of God. There's something about giving that it comes back to you. And I can't explain it other than God's word says it's true. And we live in that. And when God speaks to do something in our lives, whether it's in giving or to say something to someone or to, to do something that's out of the ordinary, to take a step across that line, it takes some faith. And it's not always easy. There's often sacrifice that is included in that. And the fact is, is that we get satisfied with where we are, and we stop taking risks. We, not, we stop taking God at His word. In the Holy Spirit, the supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit sometimes is lacking. So I'd ask you, are you satisfied with the amount of intimacy, with the amount of knowledge, with the power, the supernatural power of God that's evident in your life? When it comes to the convicting nature of God, when you think about revival or what God wants to do in the midst of people, in our, of our, uh, even here at the Gateway Church, that starts with a true repentance. And God, I'm sorry. I don't measure up to your word. And it starts on our knees saying, God, forgive me. Cleanse my heart. And I believe, I believe, I believe that there are many, even here this morning, we are cruising through life and we need the Holy Spirit to reactivate that convicting nature. The things that once we would have never done, we find ourselves doing, we, we find ourselves caught up in areas of our lives and we need in our own lives a revival for the Lord to convict us, the Holy Spirit or the regenerating, uh, the salvation piece, or the indwelling to be able to walk in the Spirit, to be listening to the Holy Spirit, the maturing, the empowering. And you know, I was reading uh, this week about the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I was doing some history about the early, uh, not the early church, but the early uh, stages of Pentecost at the turn of the century um, when, like, Azusa Street, and I was reading about some of that. 
And you know, the thing that hit me about as I was reading through some of those stories and, uh, was that there was an authentic move of the Holy Spirit. It was not uh, generated, um, you know, f- it wasn't fake, but it was authentic. The other thing I noticed is that it wasn't like there was a balance. <laughs> and some people, well, I want to just, you know, be balanced in my life. There was an overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit that outweighed everything else in their, in their lives. There wasn't a balance. In fact, if you said there was a balance, you'd say, well, then there's too much, you could have too much of the Holy Spirit. And I would say that's not true. Not if it's authentic. We cannot get enough. And so this season of our church and in our lives, my heart is that we will close the gap between what we know about the Holy Spirit and how we live. And to begin to depend on the Holy Spirit, that there would be an evidence of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That we would keep in step with the Spirit of God. And the thing is, is if, if and when the Holy Spirit moves, nothing can stop it. But if the Holy Spirit does not move, the reality is that there will be no genuine fruit, that the church becomes irrelevant. And that's scary. And so this morning, I want to call, to call us to activity. That there might be a curiosity that is stirring inside of you to explore some of the fear that's based with living a Holy Spirit-empowered uh, life. And we're going to look at these, some of these things. That there would be a desire for more, a thirst, a hunger for God, like you've never thirsted or hungered for God before. Supernatural. Not fake, not self-made, not dramatic, for, dr- for drama's sake, but authentic. That there would be more of the Holy Spirit's power evident in each of our lives. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Mary, if you'd come. There's a song that's been just uh, brewing in my spirit all week long as I've been praying, and really even before this week. It's one of my favorite songs. Um, uh, The song says, more love, more power, more of you in my life. And then it says, I will worship you with all of my heart. I will worship you with all my strength. I will worship you with all, with everything. And then it says, for you are my Lord. You are my Lord. And I want us just in this moment... I want us to kind of sing through that and just let that kind of sink in. And I want you to sing it individually, maybe out loud, but maybe just in your mind, thinking about the words. And I don't know if we have the words uh, in the back. No, we don't. We didn't prepare for that, but that's okay. It's an easy song. And and then I'm going to call us to step across the line to wherever we are in our walk with the Lord and to take a step into the unknown, into the supernatural. And if you desire that, 
If you desire more love, more power, I'm going to ask after we sing through here for a moment that there would be, uh, that you would step across physically and I'm going to ask that you would come and we would spend some moments at the altar examining our lives in a convicting way. And I'll just say this, as I prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to reveal some things, there are some men here this morning that need to confess some sin, some secret sin in their lives. And God is calling you to do that this morning. And that's the only thing specific that the Lord has kind of put on my heart. But there are many other ways that the Holy Spirit can move when it comes to a convicting. Maybe it's about the way that you, that you eat or uh, the, your attitude or your anger or all, anything. I mean, if, it's the, if your life doesn't line up with the Word of God, that's the Holy Spirit convicting and asking uh, to address those things. Maybe it's the regeneration, salvation. Maybe you're here this morning and don't know the Lord and you need forgiveness. Or maybe you have a desire, an indwelling for, to walk with the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit, or for the Holy Spirit to mature you or to give you the power, uh, even a desire for that power. So let's do that. Let's sing this song together and, uh, and let's just let it uh, just uh, settle on our spirits. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. More love, more power, more of you in my life. Let's sing that again. More love. Again, and let it be an anthem 
in just a cry that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit uh, to be experiencing a supernatural God in our lives. Oh God, more power, Lord, more of you in my life. Lord, I desire that, God, deep in my life, God, more love. altars, that's fine. I'm going to ask that no one move in the next few moments, but as we lay our hands on you, that there would be an impartation of God's Spirit, a desire to be honest, to confess our sins, to a regeneration to happen inside of us, for the Holy Spirit to indwell within us, to mature us, to empower us as we go around, as we lay our hands on you, let God move inside of your heart and inside of your life and draw that line in the sand and say, I'm never going back. I want to be in your presence. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Let's do that together. Praise you, Lord.